All right, we are back with getting reps. Uh, I am super, super excited about today because I'm getting to talk to uh, my best friend and my man, Chad Manbeck. Uh, so for those of you that do know Chad uh, or, uh, yeah, you know that he is currently outside of Illinois in a place called Peoria. He is lead pastor now at a church called Richwoods Christian Church. And uh, I'm excited today just to get to talk to Chad. We could probably be on here for a couple hours talking about all kinds of stuff, but uh chad what's up man hey good morning man thanks for having me i'm excited to be here and you're right we could there's a plethora of things that i'm sure we could have a conversation about that is uh that is an absolute fact um so the quick quick history and i can let chat he can fill in any pieces he feels necessary the the quick rundown for those of you that don't know uh i chad grew up in ohio I grew up in Ohio. We're 13 years separated in age, though, so didn't know each other at all at that point in time. But uh, Chad ended up attending, getting saved at, and being a part of FBC, which was a church that I grew up in. Uh, so he, he went down to River Church of Ackworth, which was a church that was planted out of FBC down in Georgia, outside of Atlanta, in a place called Ackworth. And uh, my family and I, after I graduated high school, we moved there, and that is where Chad and I met. And so I'll let you, instead of me telling the whole side of the story, I'll let you take it from, take it from there. Yeah. So the, you know, I mean, your family name, you know, Burris was uh, kind of a, a new Philadelphia, especially first Baptist, like staple, you know, it's generational through that church. And uh, so when I was pastoring at, at River Church, uh, you know, it kind of become like these dominoes that started to fall. It was like, one Burris moves and another Burris moves. And, yeah. and once enough Burris start moving to an area, they, they just all move yeah. to an area. And so, uh, um, so you showed up and man, what were you uh, 17, 18? I, was, I turned, yeah, I was 17. I turned 18 like a month after I got here. Yeah. And so I was, I was, you know, leading the high school and, and young adults ministry. And uh, you were just a young kid then and uh, come and, I knew, um, I knew, I knew Kenny, you know, uh, from, from Ohio, your uncle, uh, and I knew who your dad was, but you know, outside of that, I didn't really know you much. Uh, and so you came to youth ministry cause you were a good church kid and made sure to do what you were you know, supposed to do. And, yep. um, and I was leading the ministry and I, I think just, uh, you know, my heart is to spend, spend time one-on-one -on -one with, with people. I still love to do that. And so, you and I started kind of connecting, but, uh, I think sports and personality and, uh, you know, different things like that. I think you were, you still quote unquote young in your faith, but, but always hungry for something, you know, that's kind of your personality. And so, uh, I think all those things aligned, you know, the stars kind of aligned, at least, at least in my perspective of, uh, this, this cat, you know, we, we can, we can hang out. And so, uh, yeah, we just started, getting together, playing hoop together, uh, dominating Brian Wardock together on the basketball court, True. You know, things like that. Uh, I made one and, mistake, which was playing two on two and making Brian my teammate. That was yeah, the mistake. Guy. <laughs> that, that, that cost you something. I can't remember what the bet was, but it cost you something. Cost me that and the ball that I punted about yes, 150 yeah. yards over the trees. Kevin Alexander was my teammate. So, you know, uh, 
I don't know if our teammates were all that great. No, shout Kevin, to, Kevin just was there for the entertainment. Yeah, shout out to Kevin and Brian if you're <laughs> checking this out, but uh, we carried you the whole way. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like that's where it kind of launched off because you were just a young guy. I was a first time pastor, uh, didn't know what I was doing in ministry. And, uh, but we had similar passions, you know, that, that I felt like even with the age difference, which really hasn't been a, a big deal to us much, um, uh, we still connected around a lot of those similarities. Yeah. Yeah. And we could, uh, like I said, we could be on here for hours digging through each part of it, but not to fast forward all the way through. But I, I will say there's, there's two moments in their stories that I've shared there. There was a time that I was, I, I was 17, 18 and I was still kind of figuring things out and you and I would meet early in the mornings before church. That's, we kind of started doing that. And there were two times that were big shaping moments for me that, looking back, maybe seemed kind of insignificant, but were massive. One was, I'll never forget, I was I was late, and I'm pulling into the church, and you're pulling out. And I called you, and I was like, hey, man, I'm here. And you said, I leave my son in tears who wants to spend time with me early in the morning so that I can come hang out with you. If my time's not valuable to you, yours isn't to me, and you hung up. Mm. And, and I remember it because then I still had to see you like, you know, an hour later at church. And so that was a big... But it was a big, that was wow, a big moment. I was mean. I yeah. was mean, man. Wow. Yeah, I think, I think, I think I like, I think I welcomed in you some just kind of like testing out some like, let's see how this goes. <laughs> like, let's see if this guy still wants to hang out with me after I say something like that. But it was good. That was a big moment for me. And then Barbie Cutie, which I sent you a picture the other day of that. Uh, yeah. When you come down to Georgia to visit, we got to go. We talked about we're going to have an honorary lunch at Barbie Cutie. So if you're listening, Barbie Cutie, free lunch for us, sponsorship or something. But uh, sure. You and I had a huge conversation there that was big time uh, shaping for me. And then uh, kind of tell everybody a little bit about, you know, just quickly from you left Ackworth, you headed out to California and a little bit about what it was like out there. Yeah. So we, um, you know, and I tried to rope you into this journey. Uh, you were wise and, and didn't go. But, <laughs> uh, Jen and I, probably me more at the time felt uh, God was sending us from Atlanta to Northern California to plant a church with a friend of mine at the time. And um, I was trying to rally a few people to go with us because we didn't want to go alone. And that wasn't what God had planned. And uh, so we went to Northern California, planted a church that was uh, probably my one of my hardest years in ministry. A lot of things that play into that. But um, God, God redeemed all of it and then ended up at a church there. And uh, I would. I would say on a limited basis, you and I stayed in, in contact mm -hmm. through that time, you know, and not as much. Um, but yeah, God used that uh, to shape a lot of character building. The The church was was mildly successful, the church plant, but uh, the leadership, um, you know, between me and, and the other guy planting it just didn't work out very well. And um, we didn't see things similarly and um, and kind of parted ways in a very difficult situation. And I ended up finding myself at a church called Sun Grove. Uh, grew a lot there. It was my first full-time um, ministry job where they, you know, they they gave me insurance and all the things, you know, that I didn't have. Yeah. And, uh, that was a huge celebration for for me and Jenna, and that was our desire. And uh, you know, we spent three more years there, and uh, and and it was incredible. We we learned and grew a lot and figured some things out, and uh, and then course we moved to Kansas City and that's where we ended up getting connected again mm -hmm. yeah yeah we you know you and I yeah I'd say at first when you were out there it was we stayed you know in touch 
but near the end of your time in California and prior, we really started talking again. And I was in my first ministry position where I'd gone, you know, intern to part-time and then I was in the throes of it at full-time around that, uh, time. Yeah, and that, I, that, that, I wondered how we got back into it, but now you mention it, uh, you starting to work at Westridge and Crosspoint, um, where you attend now, like that was huge because mm-hmm. it gave us, you know, it was your first time in it. I had been, had some, some rough experiences and some wins. And, uh, I think we really started starting to share ministry vocationally yep. together. So it was beyond sports and our families, but, uh, I, I didn't remember that until you just said it, that that really began what, what ended up being a, a partnership for, for many years there. Uh, mm-hmm. but that was, that was a linchpin because it gave us a common thing to talk about. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was LeBron and ministry, which has remained a pretty consistent theme. There's been things added to the mix. Golf's gotten added to, you know, there's been steak, like there's been some things added to the mix, but catalyst, like we have a few that are really high, but, but LeBron and LeBron and ministry and Jesus have been pretty much the linchpins and the, uh, the foundations. Yeah, I, I wonder for a lot of sports reporters and things what they're going to do when LeBron retires and what they're going to talk about. And I, I have a little ray of our uh, our relationship that I'm like, who fills that void? You know, who? We'll have who, to find who, another player, but we can talk about LeBron forever because then there'll be people to argue about the GOAT conversation. It can be had for sure then, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's people that can, you know, and I grew up with Jordan and uh, he was my favorite forever. And, and And now it's just, there's just people who are, are wrong and those who stay LeBron's the goat. Like that's, that's the only two categories anymore. There's a fact. So if you're listening to this and Jordan's the goat, you're just wrong now. Yeah. And, and LeBron is, is the goat. It's not, I don't even care if he wins anymore. So um, those are easy, really debates to have. Cause yeah. it's just, there's just right and wrong now. It's, it's, well, it's, dis- it's discipleship. It's the same thing. You know, there's Jesus, which is right. And then there's not following after him. And so you start to bring people along that, show them who he is. So these people that are in the Jordan camp, once LeBron's fully done, we can just start, hey, listen, let's show you the light and show you yeah. show you what it's like to come this way. Right. But it's like freeing people from the matrix, you know. I'm just I'm saying matrix. But it was like it the, we stayed in a we stayed we talked a ton more. I was just I was able to bounce things off you and ask questions as I was learn I mean, I, I'll I'll never ever be able to say thank you enough to uh, James Griffin, who is the pastor still there, and, and we're back. But just, I mean, I had zero experience. I, like my, I emailed him, and he had never met me before when I about the internship that they had at Westridge, and like a cold turkey uh, got open that door. And then when I was applying for the job, it was like, hey, the only experience I have in ministry is is what you've seen <laughs> being an yeah. intern here. And, you know, and so for him to take a shot on me and let me be young and learn and grow and make mistakes. Uh, but I, I was invaluable to be able to just, I knew I could reach back out to you and, Hey, what, what was it like for you? Or what are you doing? Or how have you, you know, experienced this and stuff. And it's Don't what you feel like, um, and, and, and people may be listening or check this out later in the future. Uh, if you have a dream or you have something that you know would make you come alive, that you would get to, man, if I could do this, if I could get paid to do this or, or whatever, uh, don't you feel like that we just need that one person to believe, even though they don't have the resume or, or the experience? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like, like Dave Flagg, who we disagree about some things in ministry, but if Dave would ever listen to this, I would, I would say, 
Dave saw me and thought, I, I'm going to give that guy a shot. And, and he was the first one to offer me a full-time vocational ministry job. And my resume didn't say that I deserve that. My success didn't say I deserve that. And I feel like, you know, if I could encourage someone like there's God will provide that person mm. who believes in you and, and just gives you the shot and, mm. and it won't be a bunch of people. Uh, but I think a lot of successful people or people who reach their dreams uh, have that one person who said, I see something. And that was what I always hoped. I always thought if someone will give me a chance, I know I can do it. Yeah. I know I can make it happen. Um, but we need a, we need that catalyst person. Yeah. And, and so James for you, Dave, for me, you know, uh, Rich Woods now for me with lead pastoring. Uh, I think that's so key. If, if someone hasn't stepped into their dream yet and say, man, I can't find anybody who will believe in me. Keep, keep looking because someone will take a chance. Someone. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it's exact. And I think like you said, God provides it. I mean, I, the only way I get there is my parents attend Westridge one Sunday, hear about this internship program. My dad's like, Hey, you've been kind of talking about ministry. Maybe you should. And I email the guy out of the blue and not knowing me at all. Yeah. Come on, take a shot, you know? And, and it was, I mean, it changed the trajectory of my next decade of my life, you know, uh, and forever really. One, but One email. Isn't it crazy? One email. Little things. Yep. It was, and it was, I, it was, it's a callback. It's why when I, Luke was on here, Luke Harrison, and we talked about it, but man, email that guy, that magician, you know, and I, I was telling him from experience it, you, you'll never regret trying, you know, you'll never regret putting yourself out there and trying to see if, if it, so yeah, we hooked back up in Kansas, you know, we felt like God was leading us and it was, uh, Lexi and I had, had been married for just a couple years at the time and we moved to Kansas to be out there. You were on staff at the Creek and we came to be a part of it. I got to work, uh, at, at Cactus at the time, which got bought and became simpler, but this medical software company and, and help out at the church. And I mean, that was a huge time for us in tons of ways, you know, for Lexi and I in tons of ways that we didn't expect. And, uh, it started this incredible adventure, but it, it fueled this dream because we kind of had this dream somewhere near the beginning, you know, of our friendship really kind of taking form. And before you left for California of man, it, I think it'd be fun to work together someday, you know? Like, I think it'd be awesome if we could, if we could work together one day and, and I can say, and, and I mean, if there's anything in Kansas that you want to hit on, I could say we got that chance in Vegas and, uh, I wanted to talk about it a little bit cause it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think Kansas was the test run of that, right? It was, uh, you know, if you're, um, sometimes it can, you can kind of wonder how would it be to work with a friend, you know, someone you're really close to and you you cross over that work friend relationship and boss employee or, you know, whatever the situation may be. And so we were always kind of curious about it. And uh, in Kansas, you were volunteering and, and I was on staff. And, and so it was like a layer below, but, you know, uh, so, it, but it opened up that curiosity of saying, well, we, I mean, we're almost there and I wanted to bring you on staff at Kansas and it just didn't work out. And so, um, but that was really a test run for me to say, can friendships also uh, work together? Because it is a deep desire of mine. Um, I'm a real team person. And so I love living my dream with other people. And I don't want those other people to just be coworkers. Some always will be. 
especially you know in in my position now that's that's going to be the case with some but also i don't want to be afraid to bring on a friend if that friend is talented and has the ability and has the passion and all that and so our our experiment if you will in kansas gave me the confidence in vegas that uh i was you know, I moved there to start a new campus for this really big church named Canyon Ridge. A little shout out to Canyon Ridge because they brought us together. Mm. Um, and I believed we could do it. And I, I think one of the key pieces of that was the transparency of our relationship mm-hmm. that we were able to uh, say from the start, hey, we're, we're really close friends and I'm going to be your boss. And we are, I think monumental for us was nothing about this work will destroy our friendship and we will part ways before we let that happen. Mm -hmm. And that was so freeing to know uh, we had resolved. Uh, Beth Moore talks about resolve. Like there are some things in life when you resolve to do them, it's, it's so, it gets you through the hard times. And so even any kind of challenge we had, we had resolved. Mm -hmm. Our friendship is not, is not breakable. It's not, it will not be damaged. And it, I think for many watching it, it, I don't think we had even a blip on the radar um, of a problem. So no, I think we were, yeah, I think, like you said, we, I remember when I came out to interview there, uh, you know, and we sat in your living room and we just had a real conversation about this could get difficult. Uh, We're going to resolve for that to be true. Are you on board with that? And we, we had the conversation of there's some parts of our relationship we may need to sacrifice to do this. And, I think the thing that was awesome is you and I were both willing to because we saw what God was at work doing, and and it was now on the other side of it more than worth it, uh, and it was actually less of a sacrifice than I ever would have thought it was going to be because I think we maintained our friendship and it grew and deepened in incredible ways as well as getting to explore what it looked like to work together. The thing that I I I've talked about with you a ton. I've started to share with some people that became so clear there. And I I think it's just something I I, want to share more and more is what worked about you and I getting to work together and what I learned mostly and really embraced when I got out in Vegas was this idea of I was a Jonathan and you were a David. Mm -hmm. And, but what I learned is who I was. You know, I think it's easy. You get in ministry and I think, you know, this, you get into ministry and there's kind of this trajectory you're supposed to get in and either become a student pastor or, you know, and then from student pastor, you're supposed to be like a groups guy or discipleship or community right. or something. You know, you're supposed to find another role and then another role. And the roles are all supposed to lead to one day you need to go play in a church or be a lead. Like that's where you're supposed to go. And I think there's plenty of guys that have that call and have that anointing and have that, you know, on their life that God intends for them to get there. But I don't think that's everybody. And I, I struggled early on. I think some of the stuff that I started to struggle with early in ministry was this tension of feeling like that was the path I was starting to head on. And I, early on, I couldn't identify it totally, but I had this feeling that's not who I am. And, and what worked so well about it, and my encouragement to anybody, is be who you are and find out who you are and just wrap both arms around that. I found out my, I love getting to serve and I love getting to help somebody else be the leader that they are and do the things that they do by giving over the things that make me who I am, by taking what I have and what I can bring to the table and using it. And it, I think it's what made it work so well is I never had a desire one time like, man, I wish I could do what he was doing. I wish I was up there right now. I wish I was in that meeting. I, 
I was getting to do everything I wanted to do and more because I was getting to help you do what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of lessons there for if, you know, if you're at home and you're, you're leading a family, you're leading, uh, you know, uh, you're a husband or your wife or, uh, you have children, um, you know, how we quantify success and stuff is so, um, so really perverted. Uh, we really make success limited to a certain skill set and a certain talent and a certain level of achievement. I mean, we, we do it from school. We, we, you get an A, a B, a C, and that tells you your value. You know, our kids now with social media, you get so many likes, you're valuable. If you don't, you're not. And, and unfortunately, it's creating anxiety, depression, lack of identity, lack of, of embracing who they are. And so um, when you really taught me and showed me was, um, man, uh, when you have the gift of serving, which you do, you're a yes person. Like uh, anybody who's listening to this, Devin is, is just a yes guy, like, and not in a bad way, just you need help, like call Devin. He'll say yes long before I will. Um, and, and there should be space for that in the kingdom of God, more space than, than anything, uh, instead of this pathway that we have created. We've, we've said, this is the ladder you climb in business. This is the ladder you climb in sports. Uh, this is the ladder you climb in ministry. And it's, it's just a lie. It's not true. Uh, the, the steps you should take should be based on who you are and your identity. And so freeing our children up, freeing our marriages up from like your marriage has to be this and it has to become like this and look like this, especially in Christianity. We do this in, all the time instead of saying this is who we are and this is how we're built and that we are not good at. We're just not, you know, and I have a long list of those. And then there's just things that you're really good at and you should just find a way to do those as much as possible. I felt like at, at Providence, we did a pretty good job at times of trying to do that, mm. of, of putting not only our staff in positions, uh, but also our, 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 our team members and volunteers and didn't try and force too many round pegs and square holes. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, if you can apply that at home, there's, there's a huge benefit to your children uh, and to your, your spouse yeah. to say, this is who we are, you know, and um, it's very freeing. Yeah. And then we got, we got the chance, you know, like we mentioned it, we were out in Vegas and we got to plant this campus and, and it's crazy to me. It's only like two weeks shy of three years. What yeah, would have, what would have been Providence campus, baby. <laughs> shout out to all our people listening uh, from Providence, man. I, yeah, it, I, I will say it, you know, it's one of those things that it ended in such a weird, you know, just, God orchestrated it all, and I sit here on this side of things, and now again, no, this is exactly where God wanted us to be and how he wanted us to get there, but, man, it was just such a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I have a hard time. Lexi and I have been talking a lot lately with the anniversary coming up because memories are coming up on Facebook of, like, putting out the signs those first couple of preview weeks and the trucks coming, and and we've just been talking, and, and yeah, it wasn't all perfect, and there was difficulty, but it's been hard-pressed for us to find anything other than just joy and gratefulness that we got to be a part of it. It was just a beautiful thing. It was, um, you know, I don't know if there's, we're created beings, right? And we have an inherent part of us that wants to create all of us. There's people like one of my least favorite statements is I'm not creative. I, you were made to be creative just because in light of someone else's creativity doesn't mean that you aren't 
creative. Most people aren't creative because they don't put the time in to, to create. You don't create enough space to create anything. And yeah, so, and creativity is not just music or art or like you can be yeah. a creative businessman. You, you know I mean? You create, you can create in all every arena. Yeah. That's why I love folk art. Like it's, we have a folk art museum in our uh, section of our museum downtown here in Peoria. And the guy, the curator of the museum was telling me that, you know, what I love about folk, like the word folk means people. And so it's, it's just creating whatever the people want to create with whatever materials they have to create it. And with no intention of it being in a museum, they just made it because they loved it and they wanted to. Uh, that campus, Providence campus and, and Canyon Ridge giving us the opportunity to do that. We got to create something with what we had and the materials we had. Um, and I think that's why we loved it so much mm -hmm. was it, it didn't look like the other campus. It didn't look like our main campus. It looked like the people that came together to do it. And so it wasn't really about like, it's going to be this no matter what it was, it became what the people that God sent to it. And so uh, it's so near and dear to my heart. It's hard for me to even think about, um, you know, uh, it, it being, uh, it just being such a short time when I, I really desired it to be longer. Uh, and I miss some of the people. Uh, it's so unbelievable how much I miss some of the people that uh, came together to create that. Mm -hmm. and, and you were, you know, you were the first phone call when I was hiring my staff. Um, and, and your ability to lead in your identity helped so many others to feel free to do so as well. And so uh, the creative process of all that has been on the back end, the part that I didn't realize I was loving so much, mm. which just are, are just like, how are we going to do this? Let's just, let's throw it together and figure it out. And uh, it was great. It was great. It was a shorter season than anyone of us attended COVID-19. Thank you. Yep. Uh, but like you said, God had a plan and um, we're resting in that, even though there's, I got a list of questions I don't understand mm -hmm. uh, and why I, our last service at Providence was our last service and we had no idea walking out. Um, I, I don't understand that, but. Dude, I had, a, I, had a, I had a total mind trip the other day, just as you're saying that. Uh, we were, we play a lot of times just like worship on YouTube for the boy, like while we're downstairs just doing stuff. And we, the blessing came on and I, the, yeah. the description came up and I totally forgot that that song was the Sunday, but like that, they released that, that Sunday and it came out and people were singing. And then that, like, that was it during that week is when all, everything shut down. And I, I, I mean, it just like, I remember hearing that song. I mean, it like took me, I mean, it was like a flood, man. I just was like, wow. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. But here we are now. But here we are now. I live in Illinois. I'm yep. not that happened. That's yep. where we are. So speaking of that, it's what I it's, you know, kind of the the road I was walking was for a long time. Uh longer than I've known because I think it it was probably longer before you ever verbalized it. You had this dream. Uh and I'm talking to yeah. you right now and I'm looking at you and you're sitting in your office uh at Richwoods and you are the lead pastor of that church. And you have had a dream for a long, long time uh, to be a lead pastor. And you knew someday, you know, I think that's one thing that's very, you know, you just, nobody would know or notice the patience at with which and the um, diligence with which you pursued it. Not just to, you had other opportunities at times, you had, you know, but just with wanting it to truly be 
you know, you talked about this a lot right before uh, you you guys got there, the, the place that God had prepared, you know? And so just tell me a little bit about what it was from the dream that you had to maybe sitting down in that chair in that office on that first time and just the realization of that. Because for yeah, me, it so, was incredible, but. Yeah, uh, so I'm now, uh, I'm, I'm getting close to three months of, of being here, which is crazy in a couple ways of, you know, uh, I can't believe it's already been three months. And then at the same time, how can it only be three months? I feel um, like you've been there for a year and a half, but. Yeah, I, I hit the ground running pretty hard. And so uh, we've, we've done a lot in a shorter amount of time, but, and been through a lot with COVID and shutting down again and now reopening and staff and all this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's surreal uh, still. And I, I can say I've probably dreamed of being a lead pastor for eight to 10 years. Um, not all of that thinking I was ready. I, I knew I wasn't. And that's why it was just a dream. Uh, probably the last few years, uh, three or so, uh, thinking that it was, it was coming soon. And, um, Canyon Ridge in particular gave me the space to, uh, have that dream, but still do my job at a high level. And, and they were aware of it. And I'm so thankful for that. And, uh, everyone was okay with me having a dream, but realizing I could still do my job well. Um, but I still, uh, you know, I was leaving here late last night, um, had to stop and pick up my car after hanging out with some people when it was nine o'clock and, uh, look up at the sign and, uh, or look at a business card or, uh, come to this office and I, I, you know, enjoy being in my office and that's where I study the word of God and meet with people. And, uh, it still is very surreal, uh, that this is, this is my life, um, that God has been so kind to give us this opportunity. It is, it is more involved than I ever could have imagined. It's, um, it's, it's more exhausting than I ever could have imagined, especially mentally. It is, is more wonderful. Um, and I never, uh, I get tired, uh, but I never dread coming to work. Mm. And, um, and you can say, well, you're only three months in. I, I haven't dreaded coming to work since I went full-time vocational ministry. Uh, it's been a decade of loving my life uh, vocationally. And now I'm at the spot that um, I feel made to do. And, and so uh, I'm at... I'm right where I feel like is, is this was, this is what I was created to do and what I know to do and what I love to do. And when all those things kind of converge, uh, it's a really, really neat experience. And I still, uh, I can say when your dream comes true, um, it takes a while to wrap your mind around it coming true. And then the, probably one of the harder parts is, um, is not being like devastatingly humbled by it, uh, mm -hmm. And I mean that from like the standpoint of, I just don't deserve uh, this. I, I know my mistakes and flaws and shortcomings and um, I wouldn't trust me with a, with leading a church, but, <laughs> but he does. And, um, and that, that, that causes me to step back and say, my goodness, um, his kindness is, we, we know this from a catalyst conference. He's, he's the kindest person we've ever known. Mm. And so, Yep. Uh, I still sit here uh, deeply thankful uh, for this opportunity. I love being here. Mm. 
So give uh, give somebody advice. So day one of their dream, they have a dream. It's like it's the first time they really realize this is my dream. Give that person a piece of advice for that. Like, what do I do with that? And then give them advice for I'm I'm day one of realizing the dream because it's not over. Now you just you're yeah. you've realized the fact that by the fact that you are, but you're just getting started. So day one of the dream coming and day one of it's been realized. Now, what do I do with it? What's, yeah, your, what's your advice? Uh, so my first day coming in the office as lead pastor was November 3rd. Uh, my first day officially was November 1st, but that was a Sunday. So we were presented. Uh, whether you are a believer or not, um, I, you know, I want to make sure and you know, include uh, that opportunity because uh, if you don't have faith in Jesus, uh, still you can realize your your dreams, you know, here on earth. And uh, I, the first thing I did day one, November 3rd, was I went and fell down on my knees in the worship center, uh, totally by myself. I got here early and I spent one of the longer times in prayer I have in a long time of just being present with God and acknowledging uh, his, his, his generosity the opportunity in front of me, the huge responsibility in front of me, my total complete dependence. One of our values here is we are completely dependent. Uh, my complete dependence upon him uh, to be a part of his church uh, and do my role here, which is uh, just like, you know, everyone has a role here and I have mine. Uh, and then I asked him to speak to me and, and, and say something over me and give me something to hold on to the first year. And he did. Um, but if I wasn't a follower, if I wasn't a Jesus follower, I would still encourage you to find a place to be present, you know, um, and and uh, and just have a conversation with at least yourself. I, I would encourage you to explore a conversation with God, who I, I believe is still making your dreams come true. And that's how good he is uh, to both the sinner and the saint. But um, just being able to start that first day with space and time and say, I am here. It has happened. I can't believe it. And I welcome it. And I welcomed it in. I am the lead pastor of Richwoods Christian Church. And I take it. And uh, But I'm not taking it by myself. The second thing I did, which I'm really glad I did, was, um, and I would tell this to any new leader, especially if you're a senior leader, uh, chart the course of your first 90 days as best you can. Like, what are the key things that you want to be and focus on and do and give your heart to the first 90 days. There's a ton you don't know about your organization, uh, uh, whatever the case may be, but I wish, so like we adopted three kids. I wish I had charted the first 90 days of adopting our kids. I wish I had some kind of strategic wins and little wins and little gains and all that. I did that coming here and God has, we have way more wins than I had charted, but I was focusing on getting some. Mm -hmm. And it has paid off a uh, hundredfold. Uh, I charted, I wanted to know people's journey. I wanted to see others. And so uh, the time I've spent with staff, the time I've spent with key leaders, the time I, you know, has been massive. Those were all part of my first 90 days. So I had it broken down into, uh, there's a great book called The First 90 Days. You should check it out if you're a leader. But the first day, the first week, the first month, the first two months and the first three months. And I had it totally broken down into that with what I knew uh, I could do. And I'm I'm reaping the benefits of God taking that uh, man devises away. The Lord direct our steps towards more than I could have even 
even hope for. And because it was my dream, um, just, I had thought about it for eight years, 10 years. So it really wasn't that hard to say, like in the first 90 days, it, it's like a, a little girl who's thinking about her wedding. There's some things like when, when I proposed to Jenna, you know, she, she knew about her wedding, you yeah. know, she was like, I've thought about it. Yeah. So there were some things about my first 90 days I knew were going to be the case, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, that has been a massive blessing for me as a leader. Uh, and I think that's been a blessing to the staff and the church as well. Good. And then day one of the dream, like eight to 10 years, somebody just, man, they, they just realized this is my dream. I have a dream of doing this. What, what advice do you give somebody about where do I go from here? At least where's what's something to do? Um, dreams are hard because there is, uh, you have to, in my belief, you have to, if you truly have a dream, I mean, you like, I will make this, I will, this will happen in my life. You, I think you have to remove the constraints. So many people have a dream that, you know, it has to happen in this area of the country, or it has to happen. I have to be paid this much, or I have to be this close to family, or you can name your constraint, right? I mean, there's can be thousands of them. Uh, I will tell you from the moment I knew I wanted to be in ministry in New Philadelphia, Ohio, I told this to my wife before we were married. I removed all constraints, all of them. We would move anywhere. I would accept any paycheck, um, whatever it takes to do what I believe God has called us to do. Um, I think it's very an Abraham posture of, you know, wherever, whenever, whatever. And the goal is this. And so the more constraints you have on your dream, the less likely I believe it is you can accomplish it. Uh, you re it and that's why it's a dream, not just a hope, or I would like to. Uh, and you have to make sure you differentiate those two things. Once I had known Christ for about 10 years and I knew I wanted to be a lead pastor, um, I've interviewed for jobs in Southern California, you know this, Seattle, Indiana, Ohio, you know, all the, in Illinois, obviously, there were no constraints. We hoped to be in the Midwest to be close to family, but it was not a constraint uh, that we would have held. Uh, pay, God has blessed me, you know, all those kind of things taken care of us through the years, but you know this about us. We've had nothing and we've, we've, we've been better off, like, uh, but we've never had that play into the equation. So, I would encourage you the moment you realize what it is you want to be or do, um, the more constraints you can dump alongside the road, the better chance I think you have. Uh, and you can see that, you know, you can see that through our, our, our sports hero, man, LeBron, there's no constraints. He will move to whatever team he needs to. He will play ball as long as he needs to. Uh, he, he, he has dreams about production and movies and commercials and, and being an entrepreneur there, I don't see constraints in that guy. I don't see it. It's, he says it, it's more than basketball. So he wants to be involved in social justice, which I so value in him and, and love that he does that because he has such a platform. He has removed constraints to be the real, you know, the icon uh, that he wants to be. And it, if LeBron had constraints, I, I think he would be a shadow. He would just be a good basketball player. 
but the world knows his name and uh, because he had, there's no limits. There's no limit. That's good. Yeah. Well, this is fun. We could talk yeah. for, we could talk for probably another, because uh, we could then flip over to the fact that there's sports, football, movies. We can go through all of it. But, uh, man, I appreciate you taking the time to be on. Uh, since this has been a reoccurring theme, I like to, so at least because we've talked about it all the time and we haven't texted about this yet. So what are your picks for this weekend? Okay. So, um, I will give, uh, I am rooting for Brady to make the, make the Super Bowl just so that Belichick has to just watch him play. (laughs) Just watch him play. Um, I also think it's unbelievable that he could go to his 10th Super Bowl. So, uh, and I could care less about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So I am rooting for Tampa Bay. I expect Green Bay to win. And I am um, and I'm rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs because we spent time there. Mm-hmm. And so love Bill's Mafia. Uh, they have a very Cleveland-esque you know, kind of feel with their years of, of heartbreak. Uh, but I think they're going to have one more year of heartbreak because that Mahomes cat is pretty good. Yeah, he, he really, really is. I mean... <laughs> Pretty good. It, I, 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 you know, because I talked to you and I talked to a lot of people leading into the Browns week. I mean, I knew Kansas City's going to win the game. Like, I mean, I have that, but I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, they've been off for a month. Like, he could be a little rusty. And I mean, he came out snap one and it was like, oh, yeah, he's really, really good. Yeah. He, he could barely walk at one point. And yeah. He's still throwing darts. Yeah. So. He was still torching. So I think Bills are in trouble. I really do. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. Uh, Man, it was awesome. So uh, you guys can check us out on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can like, you can subscribe. Uh, This was an awesome conversation. I can almost guarantee it won't be the last one we have on here, but uh, I really appreciate you guys listening. Chad, thanks for being on here, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate you, and uh, I'm cheering you on. And uh, I love that this is just you getting some reps uh, for your podcast dream. And uh, I hope anytime I can be of an encouragement or share some stories or whatever you don't hesitate to have us back. Yeah, man, I will. All right. See you guys.